Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. This is a place to get equipped to make a difference for the kingdom of God. So get ready to be empowered by this message. Well, I didn't expect to have any dreams this past week because I was on vacation with Beth, but that didn't stop the Lord. He came right in the middle of my vacation, and I had a dream Thursday night that was clearly from him. I'm not going to share the details today because I'm still discerning the details of that dream and what he's saying to me, but I am going to tell you the focus of the dream was that Jesus is coming soon, and, but we're delaying his coming by allowing distractions in our lives. So part of the church is caught up in sexual sin. That's the distraction that's delaying his coming. Another part of the church is caught up in criticizing those who are caught up in sin. Oh, whoops. That's called a religious spirit at work. Others are wasting time arguing with people that do not intend to change. The word teaches us that when somebody does not receive the word, that you dust your feet off and you go on to the next person. We don't like to do that. We like to dig in and argue and fight. Oh, that's just me. You got to give that up because it's a distraction. If somebody wants to help, help them. If they reject you, move along, friend. Move along. Love you. If you want help, come on back. But all of that is delaying his coming. But as soon as we get focused, as soon as we cut out the distractions and spend our time only doing what the Holy Spirit leads us to do, we're, we're going to prepare the way for Jesus so that he can come. Did you know we can hurry, we can hurry up his coming? I'll take you to scripture to show, show that to you. But I thought this dream that I had was just for me. So I wrote it down. Of course, right? I wrote it down because I value every time the Lord speaks to me, whether it's through a dream, a vision, or a prophetic word. I just didn't think it was for the church. I wrote it down for me. And then when I got home yesterday from vacation, I sat down to prepare for today. I said, Lord, what do you want me to teach today? I was, I was honestly a little bit upset that I'm that I'm teaching today because I asked him earlier in the week, I was like, can't I have somebody else teach today? So, Because I'm on vacation and I don't get back till Saturday. So he's like, no, I need you to teach. It's like, okay. I wasn't really that upset. It's a, it's a joy to be obedient to the Lord because what he asks you to do is always the best thing for your life. But I, 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 just, I knew that he was going to show me like it was going to come easy. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. He's like, as soon as you get back from vacation, just sit down and I'll give you what you need to know. So I sit down yesterday evening at 7 p.m. I know that's not very much in advance. Uh, sorry for all you planners who are now criticizing me <laughs> for my lack of preparation. So I sit down and he says, go to second Peter chapter three. And so we're going to read that together. <laughs> 2 Peter chapter 3. This is my second letter to you, dear friends, and in both of them I have tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. I want you to remember what the holy prophets said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded through your apostles. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, Scoffers will come, mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. 
It was at this point, I was about there whenever I was reading this after the Holy Spirit led me that I welled up with tears because the dream that he gave me two days before and now he's led me right to a scripture of the last days. Most people think since I'm a pastor, I know every scripture reference. They'll quote a scripture to me. I'll say, Cade, where is that? It's like, well, let's Google it so that we can find out where that is. I don't have this gift of uh, the ability to remember scripture references. I remember the scripture. It's written on my heart, but as to where it's found, sometimes I'm like, it's in there. I know. So let's, let's go dig it out. And we'll find it. Thank you. Uh, that's probably because we live in the age of Google that I'm like that because I don't have to remember because I can. Anyway, that's a, that's a distraction. Speaking of distractions. But in this moment, whenever I was reading this, I was just overcome that the the way the Lord connects things, he gives you a prophetic word, he gives you a vision, he gives you a dream, and then he takes you right to the word of God and confirms what he's speaking to you. This happens so many times, and it's just beautiful whenever the written word of God confirms what he's spoken to you in other ways. We're at verse 5, and it says that they deliberately forget that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command, and he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. And then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood, and by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed." But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. (laughs) In other words, he says that it's soon, but you're not going to think it's soon, the way this plays out. Time passes a lot differently to the Lord than it does to you. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient (laughs) for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. There it is. Hurrying. How do we hurry it along? Can anybody tell me? We just read it. How do we hurry on? What holy and godly lives you should live. Mm. And you got to look forward to the day of his coming. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and new earth. He has promised a world filled with God's righteousness. Woohoo! I'm looking forward to that too. And so, dear friends, while you're waiting, while you're waiting for these things to happen, make every effort, put in the work to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. And remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you within the wisdom God gave him, speaking of these things in all of his letters. Some of his commandments are hard to understand, and those who are ignorant and unstable will have twisted his letters to mean something quite different, just as they do with other parts of Scripture. And this will result in their destruction. You already know these things, dear friends, so be on guard. Then you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All glory to him, both now and forever. Amen. 
Amen. This brings up a common question that people have. How do I know who's teaching in error? How do I know who is trying to mislead me? And if you do a study on the false the false prophets of the last days, you'll find out that they're teaching people how to sin. They're teaching people that sin is okay, but you can still live with God. It's all wrapped up in living in an unrighteous life. So if somebody is, is making, which we see that going on a lot in the church, don't we? My heart cries out for like the Methodist denomination because they're in such upheaval right now trying to, because the denomination wants to make uh, homosexuality an okay thing in the church. But half of the churches want it, Half of the Methodist churches want it, half of them don't. And it's just in complete upheaval right now. But those are the deceiving spirits of the last days that the Word of God talks about. Those who are deceiving people and drawing them into sin. It's easy to spot. And you guys have spotted it because that's why you're here, because you don't want to be a part of any of that. Amen. So Jesus is coming soon, and we can hurry it along by living pure and holy lives, expecting his coming, and putting in every effort to remain pure and blameless in his sight. Is it important to live a pure life? Even though you've been forgiven by the blood of Christ and your salvation is not secured by your works, but it's secured through the blood of Christ, but is it still important to live a pure life? Jesus is waiting on us to do it. All right, so we just read Second Peter 3. Peter referred to the Apostle Paul's writing on the same subject, so we're going to go review those now. I'm going to do it kind of backwards. We're going to go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and then we'll go back to 1 Thessalonians after that. So 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, it's kind of a tongue twister, Thessalonians Haven't y'all heard people mocking the Lord's coming? Is he really coming? Has he already come? Heard it forever. Seems like it's ramping up, though. I hear some crazy stuff out there these days. All right, chapter 2, 2 Thessalonians. Now, dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus. Please do. Yes, please clarify these things and how we will be gathered to meet him. Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. Don't believe them, even if they claim to have a spiritual vision, a revelation, or a letter supposedly from us. Don't be fooled by what they say, for that day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction. He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God, claiming that he himself is God. Don't you remember that I told you, that I told you about all this when I was with you? And you know what is holding him back, for he can be revealed only when his time comes. In other words, the Lord's in charge of this. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly, and it will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed, but the Lord Jesus will slay him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him with the splendor of his coming. 
This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived and they will believe these lies and then they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing the truth. As for us, we can't help but thank God for you, dear brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord. We are always thankful that God chose you to be among the first to experience salvation, a salvation that came through the Spirit who makes you holy and through your belief in the truth. He called you to salvation when we told you the good news. Now you can share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. With all these things in mind, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm and keep a strong grip on the teaching we passed on to you both in person and by letter. Now may the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal comfort and a wonderful hope, comfort you and strengthen you in everything you do and say. Good stuff. Amen. Don't be fooled by those who say the Lord has already come. Don't listen to it. All right, back up to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We'll start at verse 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so that you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living, when the Lord returns, will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves, and then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. We should be encouraged with these words that the Lord is coming. <laughs> How many of you are so expectant of the Lord's coming that anytime you hear something that sounds like a trumpet, you get up and you look around? Exactly. But I believe that we should be so expectant of his coming that it gets our attention whenever we hear a trumpet. We should be that expectant, like it's, it's any moment now, it's coming. Let's keep reading chapter 5. Now concerning how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write you, <laughs> but, but I'm glad you did because we needed you to write us, right? <laughs> For you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. I think we've heard that before in, in Peter, Second Peter. When people are saying everything's peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin, and there will be no escape. But you are not in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you will not be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. For you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. So be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive when he returns, we can live with him forever. 
So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. Did you know this teaching about the end times is considered like the milk of the word? And you could see that by how he opened that letter. Like, I shouldn't even have to write about these things, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. And so it's always interesting to me how there's such great division in the body of Christ regarding these matters and how we don't, many don't like to talk about the Lord's coming. What is that about? Hmm. How many of y'all want to go to Jesus himself? Matthew chapter 24. As Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings. But he responded, do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth, that they will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, tell us, when will all this happen? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all this is only the first of the birth pains with many more to come. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. Hmm. Seems like we're pretty close to me. The day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing in the holy place. Reader, pay attention. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills. A person out on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house a person out in the fields must not go into the house even to get a coat. How terrible it will be for pregnant women and nursing mothers in those days. And pray that your flight will not be in winter or on the Sabbath, for there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began. And it will never be so great again. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive, but it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. Then if anyone tells you, look, here is the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. See, I have warned you about this ahead of time. We're talking about the tribulation here, are we not? So keep that in mind as we read this. Who, who are we talking about when it says God's chosen ones? Does anybody know? Huh, huh, huh. Nobody wants to say anything. I hear ones who get saved during the tribulation. I hear I'm one of God's chosen ones. Huh? 
Who does God reveal or who does God talk about throughout the word of God as his chosen ones? The Jewish people, right? He refers to us as his church. This brings clarity whenever you read this scripture, and he's talking about the chosen ones. <laughs> Did you know that the tribulation is a last call for the Jewish people to be saved? They've rejected Christ, so he took Jesus to the Gentiles, which is the age that we're in now, the time of the Gentiles. But God's not given up on his chosen ones. The, tri the tribulation will come as a wake-up call to his chosen ones. He wants the Jewish people to be saved. That is the purpose of the tribulation. It's not because God wants to be mean. It's they have not heard me any other way. I think parents understand this, right? The kid has not heard me any other way, so the wolfing's coming. You have to get their attention. I'm going to give you all homework to go back and reread all of these scriptures because I believe that the Lord wants to give you a clear understanding. Let's see, where were we? I'll start at verse 23. Then if anyone tells you, look, here is the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders as to deceive, even if possible, God's chosen ones. See, I have warned you about this ahead of time. So if someone tells you, look, the Messiah is out in the desert, don't bother to go and look. Or look, he is hiding here. Don't believe it. For as the lightning flashes in the east and shines to the west, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. Just as the gathering of vultures shows that there is a carcass nearby, so these signs will indicate that the end is near. Immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. And then at last... The sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens, and there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. In other words, he's saying, you won't mistake it whenever he comes. There won't be any question in your mind. So that's why he's saying everything that happens before that of people saying, I am the Messiah, blah, 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 blah. I mean, it's been happening throughout the ages, right? <laughs> people coming and claiming they're Jesus. You'll know. Everybody will know. And he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet, and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the furthest ends of the earth and heaven. Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, you can know that his return is very near. It's right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from heaven, or will not pass from the scene until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. Some people get a little confused when he says this generation will not pass away, thinking he must have been talking to those he was talking to 2,000 years ago. It's like, well, that generation has definitely come and gone. But what he's saying is the generation that sees all these signs, all of them, will not pass away until the end comes. I believe we're that generation. Verse 36, however, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself, only the Father knows. That doesn't mean we have no idea that we can't even get close to knowing. Because didn't we just read how we aren't in the dark about these things? 
Yes, he's coming as a thief, but it won't be like a thief to you because you're in the light. You're people of the light. And he tells you of things to come. Now, it's clear that we're not going to know the day. We're not going to know the hour. So if anybody says on September 8th, the year 2000, or whatever that date was back in the day, 1988, (laughs) we cannot pinpoint the day or the hour, but we can pinpoint the season of his coming. We know when it's near. We know when it's very near. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize that it was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working together, one in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. So you too must keep watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. A faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. But what if the servant is evil and thinks, my master won't be back for a while, and he begins beating the other servants and partying and getting drunk? The master will return unannounced and unexpected, and he will cut the servant to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right, now it's time to be honest. How many of you, when your boss was gone, you, you played around? You didn't work as hard as you normally would have? <laughs> Dangerous place to be. In the word, good. Jesus is still talking. We can't just cut him off in the middle of his conversation. So chapter 25. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. And the five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. And then the five foolish ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go and show and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the hour or the day of my return. Yeah, you just go ahead and, and mess around. You might just be one of the ones left. I don't want to be caught messing around. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another. 
and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. And then he left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they used his money. The servant to whom had been entrusted five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. Now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I would have gotten some interest on it. <laughs> I love how he didn't even try to defend himself from the, the servant's like crazy accusation, right? He's like, well, if that's how you see me, why didn't you at least earn some interest on my money? Then he ordered, take the money from the servant and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. To those who use, who use well what are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne, all the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, away with you, you cursed ones into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. And all of that, my friends, was about the last days, both chapters. But there's a common thread throughout everything that we've read today. And we're going to go back to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 11, to drive it home. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy 
and godly lives you should live, looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. And so, dear friends, while you're waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. Peter told us what to do in these last days. Paul told us what to do in these last days. Jesus told us what to do in these last days. We must put in the work, put in the effort to live peaceful lives. Is your life an example of a peaceful life? Ask yourself that right now. Is your life a demonstration of peace? Are you living a pure life? When the Holy Spirit draws you into the next level of purity, are you following him into that? The journey is going to look different for every person. That's why we can't sit here and criticize, you need to get that out of your life, you need to do this different, because the Holy Spirit is going to lead you in those specifics. He may tell you to stop watching that TV program or get off of Instagram or all these things. He's leading you to a next level of purity. So I'm just asking you today, have you been ignoring him drawing you into that next level of purity? We are to live blameless in his sight. We could sit here and talk about pre-tribulation rapture, post-tribulation rapture, and all those other words that I'm not even sure what they mean because they just keep assigning new words to different beliefs. We could talk here all day and have debates and, and do all the stuff. But I believe what's most important about this is what we're supposed to be doing while we are waiting. That's what we need to focus on. Because that's how we hurry it along. How many of y'all want to hurry it along? Not everybody? Hurry it along. I'm ready. But I want to do what he has for us in these last days. I don't want to be distracted anymore. How many of you have been made painfully aware of your distractions? Raise your hand if that's you. I'm curious to see how the Holy Spirit's working. and yeah, Painfully aware of your distractions. As in like you're doing something that it's probably a good, I'm not saying you're doing bad things, but you're just doing things and, and you end the day and you realize that you spent your whole day doing something that you weren't supposed to do. Has anybody had those days? It's painful. So my cry today to the Holy Spirit is to remove the distractions from our lives. Man, that was good, wasn't it? Help us get God's word out to everyone who needs it by partnering with us financially. Your generous giving is what enables us to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Visit nolimits.fyi to give securely online. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a message. And thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.